Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. All right, Romans 1, we'll read verses 1 through 7 together, and then we will, um, I thought we were going to get into verse 6 tonight, but I, as I was studying verse 6, I kept going over notes for something in verse 5, and then my introduction information and the verses we were going to study made no sense at all, because in the introduction, I was trying to write an introduction for something in verse 6, but my mind kept going back to this thing in verse 5, and so... I had to redo the whole introduction, and um, we're not going to study the verse 6 thing. We're going to study the verse 5 thing again. <laughs> and what we've been kind of talking about is this connection between the grace of God and, and then that grace bringing you to a place of obedience in the faith. And so what we're going to talk about tonight, you know, we talked about that grace, and we talked about the, the obedience that, that it should naturally produce— but tonight we're going to talk about the faith, because that's ultimately the way the Lord uses that phrase many times in the Bible. The faith is is uh, it's like it's this entity that you get into, and and the only way to get into it is through obedience, obedience to the faith, whatever that thing is, and and your obedience to that demonstrates to the world that there's something different that they could break away from and go to. And, and if you remember, when we talked about separation, that is the key. And there's, there's an intimate connection here. We'll try to point out as we go. But as you, as you separate yourself from something, you also have to separate yourself unto something. You can't have one without the other. If you do, you're going to end up making a bigger mess and, and making things worse. And what a lot of people like to do is they, they get saved, they get zealous, they get on fire, and they just remove everything out of their life. Like, everything's the devil. I don't want anything that's going to cause any problems. Well, what are you going to replace that with is the question. And if you don't replace that with something, you're going to make your life harder. You're going to make it worse because something's going to fill that void. And so it's, it's, it's good to remove ungodly whatever out of your life. Uh, you know, music, videos, uh, uh, places you go, ways of dress, what, whatever it is, it's good to remove the ungodly from your life, but then it has to be properly replaced with that with it, which is scriptural, which is good, which is wholesome, and, and that will build you up. So 
If you fail to do one versus the other, you're just going to be in trouble. So let's read these verses again. You should have them memorized by now. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Lord, please help me tonight to... uh, just demonstrate from your word what you would have us to know. Help me to teach and, and uh, build up your people in the most holy faith through your most holy word, and that you'd be honored and glorified through it all. In Christ's name I pray, amen. And so what we're going to look at is this little idea in verse 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. And of course, it talks about the faith like it's uh, you know, we talked about the gospel, you know, the gospel that is, is the only one that can bring you unto salvation. You know, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So the gospel, definite article, you, you, the, the, only this gospel will bring you to the power. And the only way to get to this power is through the gospel. Well, now we're finding out that this, this comes through a process of grace which will lead, lead you to obedience to the faith. And so, we, and, and when you're out talking to people, and, and again, you know, we'll see how this goes in Loosedale and what the mentality is here as we spend more time in the streets. But everywhere else we've been, we try to tell somebody about Jesus, and inevitably what they'll say is, I have my own faith. Well, that's not good. Because God said there is the faith. Okay, now when you say I have my own faith, usually what I follow what I follow that up with is, well, how will your faith help me? And the whole point is to shut you up, not to not not to have to explain what my own faith really means. And so when you say to them, well, how, how's it going to help me? And they look at you and say, it's not. I don't even know what it is. I just lied to you. I just hope if I said that, you'd be like, oh, he has his own faith. Oh, what a what a he must be a monk. You know, like someone that's so religious and so elevated in religious life that I should probably just step back because this guy, he's got his own faith. Who needs the faith of Jesus Christ or the faith that God delivered when you could have your own? (laughs) Uh, Well, who's going to let you into heaven? God is. And who determined the parameters as to how that's going to (laughs) happen? God did. So it might be significant, it might be important to go to God and find out what are your expectations. And if you don't do that, then you're going to end up creating your own imaginary faith that's going to get you nowhere. You know, faith has to have an object, all right? If I go and sit in that chair, I have faith it's not going to just collapse and fall to the ground, all right? So my faith is in the ability of this chair to hold me up, all right, that, in terms of sitting down, that's a decent faith to have. But when, it, when it's time to go to heaven, the, the, the object of your faith has to be very specific. It's very important. It has to be Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. There's no exception to that. 
So when you say, well, I have my own faith, what you're saying is, I'm not going to the place that God designated. I've made something up in my own mind, and I think it's going to bypass or override what God said. And it's not. You're going to lift up your eyes in hell being in torment. Wonder, I mean, we go tell people in hell, well, I had my own faith. Yeah, we did too. <laughs> and we're right here with you. And, and so that, that's, that's not the solution. Now, the passage we have been studying teaches us that we are given grace for obedience. That's the purpose of the grace. The reason we're given this grace is to help bring you to a place of obedience. And that, that obedience is among the nations. Grace was given to facilitate obedience and, and that all of this was done for the name of Jesus Christ. All right, so, so you're, you're given grace. Well, why? So you can be obedient. Okay, well, why are we doing that? So the nations have something to see. Okay, well, why are we doing that? For the name of Jesus Christ. It, it, it all builds upon each other. And the, the ultimate purpose is the glory of God, the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. But that process is the only way for you to get out of hell and to have your sins forgiven and to have your soul saved. And apart from that, you, 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 have, you have no help. There, there, there's nothing for you. Now, we previously studied how this obedience is a demonstration to the nations and that because of Jesus, we live differently. We previously studied how this obedience is a demonstration to the nations and that because of Jesus, we live differently. And though we still exist among the nations, this obedience of faith is among all nations, which then demonstrates your calling to live in obedience to Jesus Christ. Now, this is not... I'm not trying to sound like this circular reasoning, you know, goofball that's off track. So it's there, there has to be something to, to demonstrate to people what you have is different. Right? And so this is what everybody does. They're like, you know, I'm different. I, I wear all black. You mean like everybody else out there? Like, you know, it's, it, this whole group of people who likes to, they call it like emo or, or you know, all these weird names. I don't even remember what they are anymore. And, and they're like the epitome of the people who want to be different. And in, and in, in order to be different like them, you have to dress like them. Well, you're, you, you, just, you just joined a group and you all act exactly the same. Okay. Now that's fine. But, but you see, they're, they're trying to demonstrate to the world, this is what separates us from you. And if you want to join us, you've got to be different like us, <laughs> which makes no sense. That, that is ultimately what the Lord is trying to, to provide here. That's what Israel was supposed to be. Israel was supposed to be, supposed to have enough oddity about them and, and peculiarity about them that the world says, what is that? I want to know more about it. What, what is going on there? Why are they so different? How can I be a part of that? And then they failed. Instead of being separated from the world and something for the world to look to like a light on the hill, they joined them. They, they married Gentile women. Balaam got them all called up and all the, uh, the, the garbage that the Gentiles were doing with fornication and, and, and wor uh, worshiping false gods. And, and they just joined the world. And so then there was no way to distinguish between Israel, the people who belong to God, and the world. There was no distinction. And so it made God very angry and he began killing his own people. And so I wonder what he thinks today of a church who tries to act and, and, and dress and look and do exactly as the world. 
Now, praise the Lord, we're not in the Old Testament, so he's not going to send fiery serpents or open the earth. And I mean, he could if he wanted, but he's not going to open the earth and swallow you whole into hell. But these things are written for our learning and admonition and should demonstrate to us that God doesn't want us to go and act like the world in order to trick the world into coming into the church. There have to be these lines of separation, and they're defined by God. Now, again, that also doesn't mean that you go and live like John the Baptist and put on, you know, gird yourself with camel skin and eat locust and wild honey because, uh, you know, I want to live for the Lord. But that's not what the Lord is asking you to do. There are some basic fundamental things in the Word of God that if you do it, like pay your bills. I mean, that'd be amazing. People would be like, wow. I mean, I can... I love when this person comes to my store because they pay their bills. <laughs> uh, be faithful to your husband. Be faithful to your wife. I mean, how amazing would that be today in, in modern society? I mean, you, you don't just sleep around like a dog? No, I don't. I have a wife that I enjoy being with and spending my time with. I love my family. Uh, you know, there's, it, it's, it's like a, an amazing thing today for a man to be a father, married to his wife, and at home with his children. People look at that and they say, what, what is that? <laughs> that you still do that? Like, yeah, I, I do. And, and because of that, hopefully my children won't grow up and rob you in five years. Right. And so, so it, it's living a morally sound life, that, a, a moral life that is only capable through the Spirit of God after you trust in Jesus Christ, it, it's a light to people. They look at that and they say, why are you so honest? Why is your home so wholesome? And, and, and why do you glory through tribulation? And why are all these things so... so why, why? I want to know what all these things are about you. How did they come to be? Well, God gave me grace, which led me to obedience to the faith. And now that you're seeing that as a demonstration of something different than the course of this world. And, and, it, and it's made you curious. Now, the question is, if I tell you how to get there, will you do it? And that's where the trouble comes in. It starts with trusting in Jesus Christ. Would you, would, do you want to have your sins forgiven, or are you okay with going to hell? And everybody says, well, I don't want to go to hell. Okay, well, the solution to that is Jesus Christ. You're a sinner. You're on your way to hell. The solution is Jesus Christ. Well, if I trust in Jesus, do I have to stop drinking? It's like, well, here we go. Can I, do I have to stop going? Do I have to get rid of my video games? It's like, you're on your way to hell. And you're worried about a drink or a video game or where you go party or whatever. You, you, what, I don't help me make the connection. If you're playing your video game and I light the house on fire, are you going to stay there? You're going to say, if I leave here, do I got to stop playing my video game? No, you're going to get up and run out of the house. But you're on your way to hell. And your concern is giving up a few habits. And, and, but that's where the battle is. And that's where the lines of separation are. People see that, and that, that's what separates us. That's what makes us different. And when those lines of separation are there, then they start thinking, you know, before I got saved, I, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis is a, a big music city, and one of my hangups was music. I did not want to get rid of, rid of my music. I, I had collected, I had amassed, a, I, I used to build my own computers, and I had this computer that had a massive amount of hard drive space, and I had 185 gigs of music. You know how long it'd take you to listen to a fraction of that? Like 30 years. <laughs> but I didn't want to trust in Jesus Christ because I knew that that stuff had to go. 
Now, that stuff didn't have to go in order for me to trust in Jesus. I just understood that when I trust in Jesus Christ, this is no longer compatible. So when I cross this line, then this stuff has to go. And so I struggled with it. And then one day I trusted in Jesus Christ. I finally did it. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this file, this folder, and I right click on it and I move down to the delete. And it's like, do I really want to do this? <laughs> but I did. I deleted it. It's gone. But, but that's it. that was a battle, an unnecessary battle. Honestly, is, is the salvation of my soul worth that music? <laughs> no, I just enjoy the music. It, it appeases my flesh. My flesh liked it and didn't want to get rid of it. But I, but I want to now walk in the spirit. And this, this walking in the, spirit, in the spirit is an example of obedience to the faith. And that obedience to the faith is going to make it make a, it's going to become a light to the nations where they're going to look at that and say, huh, something about that. What is that? Not that I'm this wonderful beaming light that everybody looks at and says, oh, teach me how to do that. Um, that that's not the case. But I think, I think many people, as we've traveled all around the world, have seen our family and they say, how, how, did, how did you do that? Well, it wasn't me. <laughs> if you knew where I came from and how I grew up and, and if you knew what my quirks were and, and the problems that I have, you would say, yeah, how did you do that? <laughs> Like, where did that come from? It only came through Jesus Christ. It only came through the word of God. There's nothing else that can explain it. And, and, and so because of that, they could have the same if they really wanted to. Um, people's lives are a mess. Now, from start to finish, as the chapter progresses, Paul introduces himself. Then he introduces the gospel of God. And now he is going to inform the church at Rome that they are the beneficiaries of this gospel. But it's only through that obedience. It's only after they trust in Jesus Christ and then apply themselves to the faith. Along with us, us here in Loosedale today, who have trusted in Christ, our obedience to the faith demonstrates we have answered his calling, this calling by Jesus Christ. Look, just, just to make the connection, look at verse 6 real quick. Among whom are you also the called? So do you see how... You think about the progression. Hi, I'm Paul. <laughs> I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm an apostle. I'm separated under the gospel. And by the way, that gospel concerns his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who came from the seed of David. He rose from the dead, which was a declaration of his deity. And he, through that process, he provided grace. And that grace will, give, will lead you to a place of obedience to the faith. And, and all that concerns you, which is amazing. All of that, he's building up to it, up to it, and now he's turned the letter in the introduction to those people, and he's telling those people, it's for you. It, it exists, it's there for you. And, and, and the same is true for us today, and it continues to be true as we progress throughout the ages. And, and so he tells them they are the beneficiaries of this gospel along with us, and our obedience to the faith demonstrates we have answered this calling by Jesus Christ. Now, there, 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 there's a relationship between Paul's introducing himself as separated under the gospel and obedience to the faith. There's a connection there. That separation and that obedience, they're, they're interlinked. Again, you can't have one without the other. 
And, and being obedient to the faith is going to separate you from the world. A lack of obedience to the faith is going to have you out in the world doing things you shouldn't be doing, living ways you shouldn't be living, and frustrated with yourself because you're a, a rebellious child of God. Separation is more than a legalistic list of do's and don'ts that are based on the shallow opinions of, of a preacher. It is a, a biblically defined lifestyle that reveals the nations, that reveals to the nations that you are separated under the gospel, obedient to the faith, and you are the called of Jesus Christ. Now, the, the, the called of Jesus Christ, did I skip that in my notes? I might have. Um, the, ter- the terms that, got, you know, so that, yeah, I did. I skipped a whole section of my notes. Miss Pat's fault. Um, the, these terms, the I- ideas like calling and predestinated, they, they are grossly misused in, in, in our circles today in Baptist churches. And some would teach that what the idea is a calling among the nations or predestination is, is God pre predetermining who's going to get saved and who's not going to get saved. And that's not the case at all. That's, that's a gross misapplication of, 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 the, of these terms. And, and so here, just to simply state it quickly, and we might look, I think, I think I have it in my notes that we might look at a passage. Maybe not. Maybe we'll look at it anyways, just because it's important. I thought I put it in the notes. Who knows? Who typed these notes up? And so, <laughs> that's Pat, yeah. <laughs> well, she did bring me a free computer today, so, I, you know, that, that'll compensate. Um, it doesn't work. <laughs> but this is the idea. What men teach is that if you're call, you know, this calling of Jesus Christ or predestination means that God predetermined who would be saved and who would not be saved. That's not the case. What, what God did was predetermine what would happen to people who trusted in Jesus Christ and what would happen to people who did not trust in Jesus Christ. So there is a predefined destination for people who would trust in Jesus Christ. It doesn't define who would trust in Jesus Christ. So God said, if you'll trust in my son, I will forgive your sins, save your soul, and take you to be with me. If you reject my son, here's the predestination for you. Hell. Does that make sense? All right, so this calling is not, it is a calling for people who will trust in Jesus. It is not a calling to trust, trust in Jesus. And that distinction is not, not uh, uh, it's very important. It's not a minor thing. Now look at Ephesians 1. Let me show you, let me show you an example of that real fast. And then we'll look at a few other verses about the faith. And then we'll go home. Ephesians 1. Did I have this in my notes? I thought I'd type this in my notes. So I'll just have to make it up as I go. But that's all right as I remember it. Ephesians 1. uh, Let's look at verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Now, when he says we, who is he talking about? Uh, If you look at at verse 1, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ. So as he goes through verses 11, 12, 13, and 14, he, he's going he's gonna to start a progression of events that deal initially with the apostles and then lead to those who come after, who, who trust in Jesus Christ based on the preaching of the apostles. So look at verse 11, in whom also we have attained and uh, obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things 
after the counsel of his own will. Okay, now, here's where the Calvinist comes in and says, see, there's predestination. That means God chose you to be saved or he chose you to go to hell. That's not true. That's not what that said. Read it again. In whom also we, okay, who is the we? Well, it's the apostles who have trusted in Jesus Christ already, right? And those who would also trust in Jesus Christ based on their preaching and the writings they left behind. So this predestination, according to the will of God, God said, I am going to predetermine what will happen to you if you trust in my son. If you don't trust in my son, you don't need to worry about it. It's not for you. He did not predetermine who. Now, and, and that bears out as we keep going. Look at verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now, it doesn't say... Who, who first were put in Christ, who first were called to be in Christ, who first were predestined to be in Christ. He said, we have access to this predestination because we trusted in Christ. Now, what does that process look like? Well, verse 13, in whom ye also trusted. <laughs> well, how did you do that? After that, ye heard the word of truth. Somebody preached the gospel to you, And you made a decision to trust or reject, right? All right. You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. Now, what does trusting and believing have to do with being predetermined? All of that requires that there is a choice on your part, not a a predetermined automatonic response on your part. You were also sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now, that that passage, there's a lot in it. And if we ever get to the book of Ephesians, we'll talk about it more in depth. But what here is what he said. We first trusted in Christ. Then we took what we learned and we preached it to you. And after you heard the gospel of your salvation, the word of truth, you chose to believe it. When you chose to believe it, you were then sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, and you are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, until God comes and gets this physical body. So when do you lose your salvation? You don't. You're sealed with the Spirit of God until God comes back to get you. It's not an option for you to lose it. If you, and if you read in Colossians chapter 3, it's my favorite place to go for people who think you can lose your salvation. It's Colossians 3, those first five, four, five, six verses. They say that your life is hid in Christ. Well, how do you lose it if he's got it and he's hiding it? It's completely out of your control. Once you trust in Jesus Christ, that's the part that's in your control. Once you trust in him, now you take advantage of, of the predetermined outcome that God created for people who will trust in Jesus Christ. And if you reject him, then you get the wonderful advantages of people who decided to reject Jesus Christ, which is eternity in hell. That makes sense? So this, this grace for obedience and the calling of Jesus Christ, it's all interconnected and it's related directly to us. Now, what is the faith? Let's look at some verses on that. Look at John 17. John 17. And we'll see a few things that the Lord had to say about the faith. And and, and you're going to notice as we read all these passages, 
you're gonna see, again, a direct correlation, a direct connection with obedience. So the faith is in Jesus Christ. And, and by the way, the reason that that works is because of the faith of Jesus Christ. The faith of Jesus Christ, he trusted his Father. We can count on Jesus Christ because we can count on the Father. If you have the Father to count on and you have Jesus Christ to count on, then you want to put your faith in that and be obedient to that. And that's what's going to get you to heaven and help you to have your sins forgiven. John 17, verses 5 through 21, we'll read this lengthy portion. Verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now, again, this is another quick, important note. Just file this away in your memory, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it in more detail later. Uh, I'll just kind of jolt your system with it right now. <laughs> Peter, when he wrote, he talked about the world that then was coming to an end, which means that there in the Bible, there are multiple worlds, and they, they start and they begin based on certain biblical events. And so Peter talks about, in Noah's day, that world coming to an end. Well, how did it come to an end? God flooded it, killed everybody. All right, so the world is the system on the earth. If that system gets completely destroyed, well, it's gone. All right, so we start a new world. All right, so, so when the Bible talks about uh, certain things happening before the foundation of the world or before the world was, all these different things, you need to get the context and determine which world because there are multiples of them in the Bible. But we're not going to dive too far into that tonight. I just want you to file that away for later discussion. Verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Everybody see that? They kept the word. Verse 7. Now they have, they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are, for, are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Everybody see that? So, so he's saying, I have this group of people, Father, that you gave to me. And what is unique about them is that they trust in your word. Now, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for this distinct, separate group of people. Everybody see that? Okay. But what's the separation? The word of God. We trust in Jesus and we trust in the word of God. And that naturally creates this separation between us and the world that, that is expected of us, which becomes a light. You're a shining city on a hill and you're the salt of the earth. All these wonderful things. That's all connected in this. But if you don't live in accord with the word of God, you've lost your savor. You're useless. The light's out. There's no distinction. If there's no obedience to the faith, there's nothing for people to see. And if there's nothing for people to see... What's the point? Verse 10. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Again, not, not in the world, right? In these people, this group you've given me. And now I am no more in the world. He's standing right there on the earth. I'm not in the world anymore. How? What, what do you mean? All right, so he's separating them. He's separating himself, and he's creating this distinct thing the faith. 
right? All right, so as we keep going, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Well, how did God lose one? It had to be, scripture had to be fulfilled. I mean, think about that. God said, I will not lose any of you unless the word of God says that one of you has to go. <laughs> the word of God said one of you had to go. Judas stepped up to the plate and said, well, son, I guess uh, it were better for you that you were not born. <laughs> now, Judas didn't have to be the one, but he wanted to be in that spot and he got it. All right. And, and we don't have to get ourselves in trouble. But if you really want to get out of the way, well, the option is there for you. Verse 13, and now come I to thee, and, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest, now listen to this, take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So what's the distinguishing factor? It's the word of God. If you obey the word of God, it is going to naturally make you different from everyone else. It's, it's, there, there's no way around it. Right? If you're going to obey God's word, it's going to make you this separated, different peculiar creature that people look at and they say, what is this? But if you're not separated in any way and you don't obey the word of God in any way, you just live like the world, then the world's going to think you're just one of them. There's no difference. Look at um, Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, we'll read verses 1 through 7. Verse 1, and in those days when the, multi when the number of the disciples wa was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Oh boy, here we go. Brand new church, it's already in trouble. Verse 2, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Look, all, all these side issues. It's a blessing for us to be able to meet together and have lunch every Sunday. If it ever interferes with the word of God, it has to go. It's nice to have buildings and land and all these good things and, and electricity. And I mean, there, we, we, have, we are very blessed in this country to be able to meet the way that we do. But if it interferes with the word of God, it's got to go. We don't need anything that would cause, that, that would strangle the word of God and its ability to freely be dispensed and freely go out. And, and so we have to be careful with those things and make sure we're mindful of those. Uh, verse three, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and, the, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Par Parmenas, and Nicholas. You know, my wife's trying to come up with a name for a boy. I try, when she keeps asking me, I try and give her, like, the worst names I can think of. That way she'll stop asking me. 
but she's pretty, she's pretty persistent. So uh, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, verse six, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now listen to this. And the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. There, there's that entity. So what did they become obedient to? Well, essentially the word of God and their obedience to the word of God created this separate group of people who used to be priests. Well, now they're separate. Now, now they're obedient to the, to the faith. Not Moses, not the law, to the faith, to the one who fulfilled the law. And it creates this wonderful separation that everyone sees. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, and we'll read verses 11 through 16, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. All right, so, so this is, that, that's their purpose. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Now, in order to have that unity, again, what it does is it takes, it takes you from a place of disunity, a place from a lack of unity, where every man does that which is right in his own mind, and they follow the course of the world, and they're doing everything but obeying the word of God. And then when we all unite together in accord with this book, what it does is separates us out of the world and makes a unique group of people who are obedient to the faith, thanks to the grace of God. And, and, and it's, it's incredible. It's a blessing. It's exciting. Colossians 1. Let's look at just a couple more real fast. Colossians 1, verses 21 through 23. Verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind. <laughs> People are like, well, if I could just move to a monastery and be locked in a room, I would finally be okay. No, you'd be an enemy in your head. <laughs> the stuff that pops out of your brain is is destructive, and the Lord hates it. God said that the imagination of the hearts of, of man's, the, the imagination of a man's heart is only evil continually. That means whatever's bouncing around in your head, God said it's just continually evil. Just, just don't, don't do it. Just meditate on my word. Right, back to verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. All right, that's, a, that's the distinguishing, there, there's the break. That this is what you used to be, but now you're reconciled. All right, verse 22. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if you continue in the faith. Now, what, what is characteristic of someone continuing in the faith? If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, I, Paul, am made a minister. So being grounded and rooted, that, that is the key. That, that unity, that separation, it's all based on the Word of God. Last stop, Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, and we'll read verses 4 through 14. And I want you to notice something here. Um, the Apostle Paul is writing to Titus. And look what he says here. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ our Savior, 
For this cause, the church at Crete voted you in as pastor. <clears throat> Paul said, I appointed you. I sent you there. Right? It, it, there, there was no, no choice on the part of the people. Paul said, this church is a mess. I want you to go clean it up. I left you there, and then I want you to get a committee together and have them vote on bishops. <laughs> no, that's not how it goes. Verse 5, for this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop, I mean, that, that would discount 90% of our, 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 uh, uh, the civilians of the United States of America. Like, you would be out. <laughs> you're full of riot. You're unruly. You're not faithful to your wives. You're not faithful to your husbands. You're not even married. Uh, you got women with 10 children or 10 children with five women. I mean, it's just, just it, it, it's, it's all over the place. It's a mess. And so, if any be blameless, a husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, <laughs> evil beasts, slow bellies. Amen. Sounds poetic to me. <laughs> you're a bunch of liars. Uh, you're evil beasts. Imagine that description. Um, but when you've got people roaming cities, bashing, you know, you know, physically harming old people for video's sake and, and just for fun, you're nothing but a bunch of evil beasts. You rob people, you beat people, you break into people's homes. All the horrendous things that are happening, that's what you are. It's, it's, a, it's a sound description of many people. Verse 13, this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Very interesting. Verse 14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. So here, here's what he's saying. That there, is a, there is a direction that you go that leads to truth. All right Now, your society in Crete, you're a bunch of evil beasts. And so it's going to require some sharp rebuke that will cause you to break from being an evil beast and come be obedient to the faith. Now, what, what, what is the difference? The truth. What did Jesus say the truth was? Thy word is truth. So when people say obedience to the faith, the faith is not some just abstract entity that floats around in the, in the world and, and, and it, it's shaped by your imagination. It's the word of God. So God gave us grace to be able to trust in Jesus Christ. Then you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then that begins to build you in the most holy faith 
through the word of God in such a way that you're able to come to a place of unity and obedience. And then that unity and obedience makes you a light to the world so that the nations say, what is this? I want to know more about it. Now, they might look at it and say, I hate that. Get it out. (laughs) Or they might look at it and say, we need to know what's going on here. I have some questions. But if you don't live in such a way to create that distinction, if there's no variation, if your relationships are just like the world's relationships, if the places you go are the same places they go, now I'm not talking about the grocery store, but if you're going to bars and you're going to, you know, you're doing all the things, even at the grocery store, there should be something different about you. The way you carry yourself, the way you dress, the way you look, the way you act, people should look at you and they they should say, what is this? There's a distinction here, and I'd like to know what it is. Well, it's Jesus Christ. That's how you get there. It's the Word of God. That's how you get there. And, and I'm not telling you that there's something so wonderful about me. I'm just telling you that all the positive things about my life that exist, they exist because I have, I have made at least a mild attempt at trying to live in accord with the Word of God. And it produces fruit. And then that fruit becomes a light, and that light, and that fruit becomes salt, and that, that fruit becomes unity, and that obedience separates me from the rest of the world, and, and they start looking at that, and they start saying, okay, what is this? Help me to understand. And that's, that's what we have to do. That's what we are expected to do. And when we fail to do that, we make a terrible mistake. Now, in conclusion, it is obedience to the faith that identifies us, that identifies us with this calling, this separation of Jesus Christ. Far too many people want to claim the name of Jesus with absolutely no obedience to back up the claim. Failure to obey the Lord is a failure to respond to the calling of the Lord. We are to live in this world as a peculiar and separated people among all nations. We are the light in the midst of darkness, but our light exists in direct proportion to our obedience to the faith. Now, Romans 5 said, as much grace as you need, as much of God's grace as you need, it, it's there. Whatever it is you've done wrong, whatever sin you have in your life, God said, where, where, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. The grace is there for our obedience, and then our obedience is what demonstrates to the nations something different exists. And we need it. So go be obedient. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast.